What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, February 14th, 2022, and this week's episode, Walker and Hill, Step Up. We'll be talking about this past weekend's big UFC event, UFC 271, what's next for Israel Adesanya, Robert Whittaker, and the rest of the big winners from the card. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Could we have a curveball in Kayla Harrison's free agency? As, of course, the newly announced fights, not only for this coming Saturday, but on March 26th in Columbus, Ohio. And then finally, we'll wrap up the show talking about this Saturday's fight. Johnny Walker taking on Jamal Hill in the place of Rafael Dos Anjos and Rafael Fiziev. We'll talk about how it all went down. But for now, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Happy uh, day after the Super Bowl. Likewise. And, uh, <laughs> I'm still, uh, I, I still buzzing from that halftime show. I rewatched it again today. My son really likes music, so uh, that was good stuff. I don't know if you caught it. I know it's not everyone's jam, but... I mean, if it wasn't your jam, you are just of a, the I wrong generation. Half, I, yeah, I don't. I sorry, I meant the Super Bowl in general. But Some yeah. people only. T- uh, hey, I gotta say, it was a good game. It was a good halftime show, in my opinion. Good commercials. I, I thought, look, uh, you know, it was a good way to spend a Saturday, personally. But yeah, yeah uh, likewise, uh, happy Valentine's Day to you and the fam. I hope you were treated very well, Natalie. And uh, yeah, um, you know what? It was just a good weekend because obviously we got a doubleheader. So everyone got the Super Bowl. But then as MMA fans, we got UFC 271. And I'm not going to lie. I I know going in, there was obviously that talk of like, you know, it's a really, it's a top heavy card. A lot of it is really all on Adesanya and Whitaker. I actually thought a couple people really looked good and really stole the show. Uh, I was, uh, you know, very pleasantly surprised. I thought it was just a decent night of fights. What about you? Yeah, I was. I was um, not disappointed. In fact, there, you know, there was a little more excitement in some of the fights leading up to the main Adesanya Whitaker fight. Not that that wasn't a great fight, but you know that uh, fast uh, knock 'em, rock 'em, sock 'em stuff that people love. We got a little bit of that right before, so that was good too. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about it, you know, starting from the top, obviously the fight between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, the consensus best middleweights in the world. And to be honest, the only thing I could say is they lived up to that. I thought we had a very technical battle. It was a very intense battle. When you think about just uh, the way it was playing out, I thought that really, um, to start with Robert Whitaker, I was very impressed with his uh, tenacity. I thought that he was still doing his best to, one, not get reckless, but two, still try to fight with a sense of urgency and just make something happen. Go for takedowns. Just just keep getting after it. Just get in there and find moments. I think that it is a testament to the level of fighter that he is, that he was able to get as many as he did late into the fight. And of course, some people are talking about, did they score for him and all that? We'll get that to the end, but To me, that was just the best, and I know he's had some brilliant, beautiful knockouts quick. That was the best Israel Adesanya, in my opinion, we've ever seen. Pushed for five rounds, and his just shot selection, his speed, his aggressiveness, 
his takedown defense um that th- that just blew me away just how active he was able to stay how active he was able to stay moving forward because most people thought oh you know Israel he's going to hang back he's going to wait for his shot all this other stuff no he was the one you know coming at Robert Whitaker and then when Rob puts all this effort into some of these takedowns and Israel even when he's get gets taken down 5 seconds later he's back up breaks create space again i was just like this is just a beautiful performance from israel against a dude who is arguably you know he's a dude who could still be champion right now and still be beating a lot of the top guys that's how good robert whitaker is and israel adesanya made a lot of those moments look a lot easier than they should have been and i was just uh very impressed what about you yeah, I mean, Robert Whitaker himself said in the post-fight interview, you know, we're the we're the two best guys in the division, period, right? Uh, he was obviously gutted. Uh, he thought he won it. But I was uh, impressed with Adesanya's takedown defense as well, the head movement, the counter-striking. And, yeah, he was always quick to separate. But I was also impressed with – I don't say impressed, but I was uh, not expecting the the full, like, commitment to the leg kick uh, and it really, really, in that first round, Robert Whitaker's leg just looked like, I mean, it was a completely, his left leg was a completely different color than the right leg. When you see him in the corner after round one, you know, the look in his eyes, even the commentators uh, made note of it, his demeanor, I kind of thought like, oh man, this could be another quick finish. But I think what it was is that he was just talking to himself, you know, you got to dig deep, like, now your leg hurts okay but you got to push it, it reminded me a little bit of Cejudo against Marlon Marais when his leg was getting destroyed and then he came back and won so even though Adesanya had that spectacular performance I was really impressed with Whitaker's just spirit and grit for for sticking to the game plan when it would have been pretty easy to go a little berserker and try to finish the fight early because of the leg um, attacks he stuck with it and then got those takedowns, you know, didn't stop trying. And, and they're pretty slick takedowns, man. I mean, what you know, it's to be expected from Robert Whitaker. But um, he didn't get frustrated, you know, when Adesanya kept defending the takedowns or getting out of the position quickly. Didn't get frustrated, kept going. Um, I watched the fight and I thought, uh, I agreed with the commentators, you know, for better or worse, I was thinking the same things they were think they were saying. I saw Adesanya winning four rounds to one. That's how I felt. I thought Whitaker for sure won the fifth round. And then uh, my husband separately watched the fight on mute for for child having a kid reasons. <laughs> he watched it on mute. And he thought Whitaker won. Like he was just like, hands down, Robert Whitaker won at least three rounds. So it was super interesting that we had some completely different takes on the fight. Um, curious to know how you saw it. And um, what what uh yeah what what you thought? You know it might be a bit of the commentator bias, um, and we will get to the commentary news uh, for sure uh, in this segment at some point. But uh, I just <laughs> it's not that it, Whitaker didn't have moments. I just felt they came so infrequently. And it came back to that uh, I I can't remember. I believe it's a Max Kellerman uh, saying. In a close round where you're trying to figure out who it who won, think more of the perspective. If you were the fighter, which one would you want to be coming out of that? 
I don't know how you couldn't say you wanted to be, you didn't want to be Adesanya yeah. at the end of each round. And, and once again, there were a couple times, you know, he, Whitaker got fist to face on Israel. But then it's like, yeah, he, he cracked one good one. But it's like, how many times was Israel coming back with volume, peppering him? I think the biggest moment, Whitaker makes that huge move, gets, you know, backpacks out of Sonya. And it looks like, oh, is he about to, like, he's got a great position. Yeah. And it's like 30, 20 seconds later, Israel Adesanya is back in the middle of the octagon with space. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that that's undoing all the work. If you cannot capitalize on any of these moments and Israel still is going at firing at the same clip, I, I give that a, those rounds to Adesanya. And I get it, you know, do you feel like... Uh, I just felt like none of those blows was significant enough to say I, you know, Whitaker overcame the volume from Adesanya in each round. And, you know, maybe that's a bit the commentators calling it as I was watching, but uh, I'll stand by that one. I, I love Whitaker. I picked him to win, but I, I thought that was a Adesanya. It wasn't an easy five rounds to nil, but I had it pretty much uh, five rounds to nil. Yeah, I mean, I too picked uh, Whitaker, and uh, I love your comment about the, uh, the the backpack because every time Adesanya got out of the um, you know the takedown position, um, it was almost as if it was too. It happened so easily that I sometimes I thought like, did Whitaker just let him out? Because <laughs> even that one, I was like, okay, here we go, and it's just like bloop bloop bloop, you know, free. I'm like, okay, wait. Does Whitaker? Did Whitaker just say like, okay, he he got me halfway out. I'm just gonna let it go, conserve energy, because it just looked too slick and too easy. It, it reminded me if you watch like old school Jose Aldo. Even Whitaker's had a couple fights where he's done this. To be honest, um, guys who broke it down say it. It's the fact that he never really. The, you just keep going in motion. For a lot of these guys, even if you both of your feet are no longer, you know, flat on the canvas and you are, quote, mm -hmm. taken down, it's about never ending up in that position where both of your shoulders hit the canvas. Because mm -hmm. from there, all the energy stops. And then you have to reset and pick it up again. As long as you're still moving, that's where, you know, you're still fighting to get yourself back up. And a lot of people will say that is not a complete takedown depending on which commentator you're listening to, by the way, but that's another story. And I think that was Adesanya. Even when Whitaker, quote, got him down, Adesanya was still moving, and he really was never completely like, oh, I'm on my back, I gotta, you know, shift, guard, half guard, you know, get to my side, stand up. He was never, he never had to play that game for all the takedown uh, attempts. And once again, when you do all that and make it, you do it quickly, I feel like that's, you know, you get the points because that was effective defense over effective offense, mm -hmm. especially if you never come close to doing damage if you're a Whitaker in some of those positions. But um, yeah, that was me. And once again, I'm not saying that Whitaker didn't force him to be great, but once again, I felt like Adesanya did enough of what he needed to each round. And once again, c coming forward a lot at Robert. Yeah, I mean, we control could... the center of the octagon. Oh yeah, most of the fight. Yeah, and mind you, uh, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, in a at a time when everyone knows takedowns, and I think that's why we don't see as many of the kickboxers at a high level. It's because 
you throw all those kicks and oh yes they're so effective and when you're when you have a striker like that it's great but when everyone can wrestle that's why they don't throw as many of those kicks at a high level so to have a guy like Adesanya probably one of the top three or four guys in the world right now yeah I think that's a testament to just how good he is but um to talk about uh, the future a little bit because we got uh, quite a few little things to go through I appreciated that he said he's ready to go back again in June. I think that's him saying that, look, I know that March is booked, April's booked, May is booked. June is the first pay-per-view where we don't seem to have any titles yet. Let me add it. Obviously, he knows Jared Cannonier is probably next. We will talk about Jared in a couple minutes. But um, I appreciate that he wants to stay active. And more importantly, I like the fact that this time he's not waiting on Whitaker because I think that was the big thing right like the schedule had to play out this time it feels like it's wide open for him to get back in there and I think it's perfect time what about you yeah definitely I mean it's yeah it's uh there's no more hang-ups no more hold-ups he can just he can just flow uh, also another thing um I think look uh, you gotta think he knows about how good Kamaru Usman's year looked like last year I think that's what Adesanya is really looking for. He wants to just pitch a shutout, get, you know, probably if he at least two fights, definitely he's going to push for three as a champion and just kind of say like, look, I mean, all respect to everybody out there, but look what I'm doing. I'm lapping the field. And I think that let's say he holds serve, so to speak. That's what we're going to be talking about if he could complete this. It's like, hey. He might have actually swept his division twice, just looking at it. Uh, so you're, I mean, you, you are you looking forward to a Kamara Usman Israel Adesanya? Not at all, not at <laughs> all. I think those are besties. I think that they are not. Let me tell you something. Adesanya and Usman are gonna collaborate on a lot more things before they do something like actually fight each other yeah 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 because yeah. i was thinking the same thing so i was just curious yeah, there's uh, a, a lot of stuff gotta go wrong in their lives you know in their personal yeah. relationship before we talk about that talk, but, um, and then we see a uh, france Ngannou in there too a three-way uh African oh my showdown. god come on yeah. <laughs> i think that um what's it to be honest at the rate they're going i think they're more likely to retire before they fight each other <laughs> Like, they'll just be like, I got enough title defenses, I'm ready to go try to be a reality star, make that money, you know? Yeah. Go the Habib route, open their own promotion, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, get out of the game. Let's talk about that fun co-main event. Derek Lewis, Ty- oh my gosh, D- man, every little exchange was like, oh, it's just so good. Uh, you know, a lot of damage. Um, first round, I mean, the cars are still revving up, but you just see the way they're moving and you know what can happen. I was impressed. I felt like, like Ty acknowledged, he felt like Derek was on. The lights were on. I think that Derek was feeling himself too. I thought that leading up to, you know, the beginning of the end, I actually felt like Derek was doing a lot of the right things. He takes him down. And it's like, I don't know what it is that they're just must be watching all these Dejistani wrestlers, (laughs) you know, like if we had, you know, Francis the Eagle 
Nganu. <laughs> now we had, you know, Derek Chemaev out here. Just like my word. Um, just look, uh, very fun. Starts hitting Ty and I thought, okay, you know, I know Ty is tough, but this is Derek Lewis. <laughs> He's not the all-time knockout leader for no reason. Mm-hmm. Ty shakes him off, looks good. Starts moving, gets Derek to the fence. And wow, I, that was a get up off your couch knockout. Connects the elbow to the temple. Masvidal's, and you know I reserved that particular description. Masvidal's <laughs> Derek Lewis slow-mo faceplant to the canvas. I was just like, damn. Beautiful rally, beautiful comeback. Well-deserved from Tai Tuivasa. Fought through adversity, got the knockout, got the shoey, uh, home run. What can you say? Man, what the heck is Tai Tuivasa's head like made of, dude? I was thinking, how is he not out? Derek Lewis gave him everything. He got him up against the cage, you know, in the almost like a you know four 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 leg position. Yep. Just whacking his head, and I, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Everyone's thinking the same thing. Okay, here we go. Tai Tuivasa is gonna fall. Nothing happened, dude. He was fine. It was crazy. I couldn't believe, you know, was it that Derek didn't have enough juice or that Ty's just that tough? I mean, a little from column A, a little from column B. I don't know, dude. But then Ty turns it around. And, yeah, that elbow, the slow motion of that fall was unreal. It almost (laughs) – my husband's like, is he – did he fake that? Not, Not seriously. But, like, the way it looked, it was just so uncharacteristic of, like, you know, when you see knockouts of a, of a knockout in MMA, they're not usually that slow. <laughs> it was bizarre and wild. And, you know, you feel for Derek Lewis twice now getting shut down in Houston. Yep. And we know the guy's a tough guy, but he's also <laughs> sentimental. And so, you know, he couldn't be, he, obviously he wasn't happy. He left, the, he left the cage. Didn't, didn't stick around for an interview or stick around to hear Ty's interview. Um, I don't know if he did a post-fight press conference or... Has he didn't. Any... Okay, yeah. So, you know, he's going to need some time to just... You know, there's really nothing to sort out. He's a great fighter. It just... He, he literally was punching a brick wall and, like, nobody can knock down a brick wall with their fist. So, it, it was just... That was just the opponent that he finally went up against that wasn't going to crumple against his, his power. So, great moment for Tai Tuivasa, like... You know the way the heavyweight division works, and not, I wouldn't even say these days. Just in general, like because it can be so thrilling with such exciting knockouts. Like you put on a couple of good shows, and you're boom right to the top, right? Or you know, in position to take the spot of someone who is at the top but can't compete for whatever reason. So I think we're about to see some big moves for Tai Tuivasa, um, and, and yeah, great, great moment for him. Really feel bad for Derek Lewis. Yeah, um, for sure. You got to think that he's probably going to rethink any visit to Houston just because of the way it's gone. Not because he doesn't want to, just because it's like, look, I mean, I just can't. Like, in a sport like this, I mean, uh, you got to think. Even Whitaker's like, I don't know if I want to keep, I don't know if I want to fight in Australia. Just so much happens around it, you know? Uh There's just so much extra emotion for those guys. Um, He'll be back. And, you know, everyone's always happy to see Derek. For Ty, real quick, do you, and I, 
I know you are newer. You're not as in the old archives as I have been just because of when I was uh, discovered it. How much do you remember Mark Hunt? Can I oh, ask yeah, you? of course. I remember. Yes, yes, I know Mark Hunt. <laughs> I'm just checking, just checking sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's, it's already been long enough. For, you so, know, if you had said uh, Dan Severin, okay, well, I don't know. Someone, <laughs> but Mark Hunt, yes. Okay. You know, someone, you know had the audacity possibly to tell me they'd never seen Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz one. And I'm like, I can't talk to you right now. Yeah. I, can't, I, I can't do this, you know? And so that's why it's like, I gotta, I gotta be sure, Natalie, you get what I mean? <laughs> um, they don't talk about it as much bef- now, but when Ty first came in, remember he was talking about being like a 22 23 year old kid and he was like the only guy who could spar with mark hunt because he was the only guy who could you know take the hammers and dish them back at mark Mm -hmm. and if you know anything about mark hunt you should know that's a badge of that's like winning a couple fights in and of itself so um once again you know like obviously it's different training to the real thing but it's like hey if you're gonna survive shots from Derek lewis being the guy who got beat down by Mark Hunt for years when you were a kid, <laughs> that's exactly the kind of training you need. Um, what's next for Ty? Uh, I'll say it right now. Cyril Gunn or the winner of Chris... Uh, sorry, Chris Blades. Curtis Blades, Chris Dawkins. I think that that's a no-brainer. Um, a lot of stuff got to go wrong with Stipe, Francis, and John Jones before... Tai Tuivasa would end up fighting any one of those big three that I think we have our eye on right now. So I think honestly, look, you just had two fights in about two and a half months. Uh, just, just take your time. Wait for these guys to become available and just get after it. Make you know, by this time next year, if he gets another big win, we're probably talking about a Tai Tuivasa can. Can Shuivasa become a champion? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think just sit and wait. If something happens big, obviously be ready. But yeah, I, I acknowledge a lot of stuff got to go wrong before he gets a bigger fight. I think Cyril Gunn or Curtis Blades, Chris Dawkins. I like the Cyril Gunn fight. You know, I'm not so sure. Like, Stipe, he is a fighter, you know, as far as how he makes his money, like that's the second thing on his mind, right? He's a fighter, firefighter first. And so like, I don't think he's in any rush to get back in the cage. He's just going to wait till it's the right opponent. And John Jones, man, I really like, it's on the tip of my tongue to just say like, I don't think we're ever going to see him fight again. I really don't. Okay. You can play this back when he fights in two months, but um, and so that all that is to say, I don't think he's as far tied to Ivas as far away as you think. But yeah, there's a, a Cyril Gone, uh, uh, Dawkins, Curtis Blaze, any of those would be would be great um, next opponents. I mean, with Stupe, I think the big thing is that uh, <laughs> he understands. Look, I could fight, I could end up fighting Francis for the title in a rematch. I could end up fighting John Jones for an interim. You know, he's aware stuff could happen with all those deals. So I understand Stipe waiting. Once again, John Jones and Francis is John Jones and Francis. I'm going to save that for another day because we've already had that conversation multiple times. Mm-hmm. Which And once again, those are still great opponents for Tai Tuivasa 
coming out. And also, I want to see all those guys come back and fight each other too. I mean, I want that top five. That's what makes it exciting and competitive. Like, hey, like in the land of the giants, who's going to reign supreme? I love it. Um, We could talk about that. We got to go back to the middleweight division one more time. Derek Brunson versus Jared Cannonier. Uh, Natalie, I, I really thought Blonde Brunson was about to do it again. Everything was looking good. Forward pressure, picking his spots. Sits down Jared briefly at the end of the first round. Looks like he might get a finish if he had more time. And then I don't know if it was he hurt himself on checking a kick, getting kicked, something. I know, look, Jared, he's kind of like a smaller version of Derek. And I say that in the sense that everything he throws just seems to leave welts. It just hurts, you know, like, and not to say, look, they're throwing, it's a fight. Not really, though. They just leave bigger welts than when you fight some, uh, most of these other guys. I think Jared Cannonier has that kind of power, but whatever it was, or maybe he just got tired, had an adrenaline dump, you know, we're getting down in that second round, and suddenly Derek Brunson just seems to be running out of gas. (laughs) And next thing you know, Jared Cannonier is just on him, pushes him, another one gets him down, and it was... I'm trying to think of who what it reminded me of. It was kind of like if you remember Bigfoot Silva when he stopped Alistair Overeem. Like, it was just cruise control, and then out of nowhere, it was just like, you know, the lights were no longer on, and Jared Cannonier gets him out of there, and I was just like, what? Just, it blew me away. And credit to Jared's resiliency. You knew he was dangerous. It wasn't a blowout in the first round by any means, but for him to lose the way he was losing the first and then come back and handle business like that in the second um you know what power to you i'm ready to see him fight for the title next but what were your thoughts on that one yeah man that's one of those exciting fights where it's completely going one person's way and then bam it gets switched around the way that round one ended um yeah with the (laughs) with the rear naked choke i mean like 10 more seconds and Man, maybe 15 more seconds, you know, like it was, it was, it was close. You know, Derek, uh, Jerry Kennedy was lucky. It was just right at the, at the clapper sound, 10 seconds, right? Um, but it's a comeback. It was exciting. He, you know, Jared Cannonier has a physique that's like super imposing. You know, even though they're all in the same weight class, like he just looks bigger than everybody. His shoulders, his chest, his back, everything. So, yeah, he's definitely an exciting fighter. It was a great victory. Elbows, man, that was <laughs> elbows uh, against Derek Brunson. Elbows against Derek Lewis, like you know, that was really a uh, the story of the night, apart from the main event. So another good fight. Round two finish. Like, I mean, I don't know what more do you want. He's yeah, he's definitely there. Like, let's give the man some love. Yeah, I think that um, all things considered, the UFC got the winners. They, <laughs> I don't want to say wanted, but. When you're building superstars, this is probably what they want. You have your, by the way, signed a huge contract now. And he's represented by the same, I believe they still represent Conor McGregor. I don't think he's independent, but his management team said this is the second biggest deal by an MMA fighter, second to only another person who they signed to a big deal, which was Conor McGregor by the UFC. So you have your newly re-signed superstar, 
taking on a new contender who's got great power and you know is very marketable with a highlight reel. I think they got what they wanted. Um, once again, I hope it happens June. If they want to double him up with Kamar Usman in July, I could see them doing that too, just to really stack that one in Vegas. But yeah, I think it just all works out. I also think it opens up a lot of different stuff, especially if you look at it, you could probably do like Whitaker and Marvin Vittori. You can maybe still revisit um, Sean Strickland and Luke Rockhold. And then that way, no matter what, you have somebody quote unquote new up at the title picture. So there's a lot of different ways you could go with this. So I think for the middleweight division, the pieces probably played out just the way you wanted to. Um, we're going to go a little bit out of order, but Derek Brunson's saying he's only going to have two more fights. And he said that before this fight, so now he did say, essentially, the next one is my last one. I, and look, if if he's doing it for the right reasons, God bless you, Derek. Thank you for the memories. If your heart is telling you this is it, then this is it, and that's that. But I couldn't help but feel like, was he... I don't know. It's like, is he is his head in the game? Is he about to change his mind and try to get more money? If he were to, had he won Saturday and suddenly we're talking about a title fight, you know, we know how the UFC feels about robbing the bank and a fighter gets that belt and tries to sit out and, you know, all that stuff. I just was very, um, I was very perplexed because uh, most people would say this is probably the best that Brunson has looked in many years. So, what were your thoughts on that? I'll toss it to you that way. Well, I, you know, Derek Brunson is one of those fighters who sometimes you get a great performance out of him, and sometimes he uses his wrestling and just keeps his opponent down against the cage and not the most thrilling fight. And, you know, Dana White sometimes not so happy, right, with the performance. So, that's a tricky one. He was on the on the verge of having an exciting on the brink, I should say, of having an exciting win, which would have aided his negotiating power should he have wanted to renew with the UFC. Now I think, huh, if I'm the UFC, I'm looking at Derek Brunson and thinking, yeah, he can be great, but he'll never be a superstar, um, or it, you know, it hasn't happened yet, and I don't think his fight style lends to that kind of. Um, status that they're trying to you know to trying to carve out of, of fighters trying to see who has it who doesn't so it kind of makes me think of like benson henderson and you know, Corey anderson even ryan bader like fighters who are really good and when you find out that the ufc either you know didn't match a great offer from another promotion and these three cases were all bellator um or just wasn't interested in re-upping then you know you think like, well, what was that about? And it's like, well, they kind of see the writing on the wall, right? Like, yeah, you're still good, but you're not going to reach the, you know, the stratosphere. And that's sort of behind you in the rear view mirror. And so do we want to pay you a lot of money for not a lot of, uh, not a lot of um, pop? I think that's where Derek Brunson is. So I don't expect him to stay with the UFC after his next fight. Um, mostly because I think the UFC is going to, be okay to move on without him well he said it's not even about end of his con i don't know if that's necessarily the last fight is on his contract i think he's just said he wants to call it a day like not continue fighting at all oh when you say two fights left you mean um like, like his career like well, retire then, then just 
delete everything I just <laughs> yeah, said. Yeah, I, I thought it's like, you know, and once again, like, look, he might feel that. I I thought, look, if is he looking to what's it called? Um, Like, look, he's just been at it a while. He said he's thinking about, like, you know, with his family and taking time away from his kids. I mean, to me, and I say that a lot of what you say is, I think, still relevant to the point. I don't know. He he might feel like, look, I mean, this is how much I make doing this. Even if I win these next two fights, this is how old I am. This is how long I've been at it. Do I think that they're about to, you know, make me the next Adesanya or the next Masvidal? Maybe not. So, you know, if he felt like, look, the fact is I'm probably at that tipping point where even if I were to win it, I don't know how long I'm going to still be at this level. I think that's very, you know, look, only he knows that for sure in the gym, in his training, when he wakes up every day and he's trying to get after it. So, you know, uh, I think it's unfortunate that he hit his stride as he's starting to really feel like this. And, you know, he embraced the whole, the blonde Brunson. Now we couldn't see him anywhere without his hair bleached. And (laughs) he does his little pose. Well, I don't know. He's posing for his eventual Funko Pop. That's what I always look at that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You have you own one of them, you know. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things that with him, I was like, I mean, it, it's got to be a big deal because when you're fighting the way you're fighting and you're saying, I, even if I get a title shot, I'm on my way out, it, it's probably a sign of something bigger. So, but yeah, that surprised me. Uh, William Knight, uh, 12 pounds off, I believe is the number, uh, ends up losing, but, um, okay, I guess at that point, yes or no, if after 7 p.m. Thursday, if you are still 10 pounds over, should the commission make the call Thursday night, we're gonna just make it a catch weight, bump up 5 or 10 pounds? Yes. Because why, like, everybody knows fighters cut a ton of weight and, you know, they, they push it to to the limit as, as much as they can. But, like, if you're the party responsible for the health and safety of the fighters and you're looking at 10 pounds with however many few hours to go, yeah, man, like, you got to step in and, and do your job. At least propose, even though they have the power to, you know, to make change. I think that that's something because now it's like when we get past that point, I think that there should be some kind of official step in to say, look, the fact is two things are going to happen. You're either going to blow the weight and your opponent's going to drain themselves to finish it tonight, or you're going to do something most likely dangerous, very risky, really hurt yourself trying to still cut that weight and there's still no guarantee you're still so far off and i'm not saying that it's not impossible for them to like you know look guys have may have made drastic cuts down the stretch before but it's like if you're over 10 it's like look where uh, like have someone check in i I want an official how's the weight coming off is he still sweating has he stopped sweating 13 Mm -hmm. hours from weigh-ins and you're how many pounds over because to me now this is just bad for everybody and look you know if you're the fighter who is on track you still should get there some money the 20 percent. 
But at least now it's like, look, we're cutting it early. If you want to cancel the fight, cancel it. If you want to take the money, bump it up. You have that option too. And just call it macaroni. But I think, you know, there's no reason you should... Uh, Chel Sonnen said it's like, when you are that far off, it's like, at a certain point, don't just don't show up. Like, they don't force you to, like, go to the scale. Just stay in your room. Don't answer the phone. <laughs> Come back, you know, answer them back at 1 p.m. Oh, yeah, I didn't make it. Yeah, we know. What else do we, you know? To me, that's almost like just, I almost don't want to know how far you were off. It, it's just like, look, how bad was it? Bad. Okay, just forget it then. <laughs> but yeah, I, I felt like that was just a black eye. And I look, respectfully, he was short notice. He took this fight late January. I, I get it. Look, uh Honestly, I wish that everyone just came up forward because then it avoids this. Because look, he's the one who tried to step up and make it happen, and he paid the price for it. So, yeah, yeah, there we are. Um, you hear anything about the commentary? Well, you know, I, you something, know, look, right? Something, yeah. There's some changes, right? Last minute changes. Yeah. So, I mean, can I set the stage? Is that sure, okay? please. All right, so. Many sites, for example, I know MMA Junkie always does this and things get tweeted out. I know John Anik was like, hey, looking forward to being back at the mic with DC and Rogan. MMA Junkie broadcast team set featuring Joe Rogan. And we people started hearing rumblings. So, for example, during ceremonial weigh-ins, Joe Rogan is there to announce everything on stage. He was not there this time. And then it comes out uh, right in the afternoon after official weigh-ins. Joe Rogan will not be part of the commentary team on Saturday. And uh, Michael Bisping, by the way, at the time, I believe he said he was flying out to Houston Thursday or Friday night. Now, look, respectfully, Bisping isn't part of like the weigh-in show. Mm -hmm. I will say they tend to be part of pre-fight interviews like the broadcast team gets to talk to the athletes and coaches yeah because they kind of get to have an inside scoop to inform the broadcast as they're narrating the fights um you i'll say this it's it's not often i hear about rogan being there but the fact is megan olivi john dc a lot of them tend to be there um brendan fitzgerald paul felder have talked about being there um as you know, I think as everybody knows, because, you know, this is a non... This isn't even an MMA story anymore. Look, Joe Rogan's been in some hot water. And, you know, it's a whole other podcast, what should happen, what should not happen. But I think it's very fair to say there are plenty of people on the side that are saying Joe Rogan doesn't need to be on camera, on a microphone right now, you know, indefinitely not indefinitely that's a lot of opinions out there i'm not going to debate that i think though now there's uh, i'll address it dana white did at first it comes out he had a scheduling conflict right uh one i don't know what happened but i'll say this there was no joe rogan comedy show scheduled for saturday mm -hmm. um could he have gotten a very big deal guest to show up for the Joe Rogan experience? I don't know. I guess only he knows. But Dana White does later come forward to say Joe Rogan elected not to work this event. Didn't say why. Didn't say nothing. 
most people also point out Joe Rogan now also lives in Texas. A uh, yep. bit of a home game <laughs> kind of deal. And uh, Natalie, I- I'm going to say this. Okay, le- I'll give the man a fin of the doubt. Joe Rogan didn't want to work this event. I want to hear from him why. Okay, that's one. I'm not going to debate who, what, this, that. Just want to know why. Do you owe me an answer? No, but there's enough talk around you. Just, if you don't mind, why not? That's one. Number two. I can see this continuing to be an issue because if you're keeping up with the news, people are still pushing for more action to be taken against Mr. Rogan right now. I'm going to pitch it to you this way, Natalie. Do you feel like at this particular time that the Joe, Joe Rogan is a distraction that the UFC will need to address? I will... A full disclosure, I do believe UFC is going to stand by Rogan no matter what. But do you feel like, you know, this could be something where it's like, hey, there's a good chance they might need to have him step back for a little bit just because the situation is too hot. Look, this, I might have said, uh, I was thinking that Joe Rogan didn't want to, uh, you know, pulled out of the event because he didn't want any attention that should have gone to the fighters, to the fights, to be put on him. And so from that perspective, I was like, well, that's not ideal, and that's not, you know, how you fix a problem. You kind of, you know, add to the fire there, add fuel to the fire when you when you do that. But okay, he really respects the fighters, and he doesn't want to be a distraction. Um, but Dana White's reaction is what threw me more because it seemed like he kind of threw Joe Rogan under the bus a little bit. Like he could have just said, yeah, you know, the stuff that's happening with Rogan is crazy. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know why, man, I don't know what he could have said, but, but saying, uh, putting it back on Joe Rogan and saying, well, he chose not to be here. Uh, that just makes it seem like now there's a little bit of a, a tiny little rift, right? And now it feels like they're hiding something. Well, yeah, it's like Dana White is the last person I would expect not to back Joe Rogan. So was he just pissed because he thought Joe Rogan should have shown up, should have shown up and been there and done his job, and you know forget about the 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 people's opinions uh, out there on the internet and the and the news? That's the kind of guy Dana White strikes me as. The kind of guy who would say, oh, screw you, uh, Joe Rogan's my guy, and, and, you know, I don't care what you guys have to say. I mean, he, Dana White, uh, you know, cancels people on Instagram and Twitter, and he, he argues with um, with uh, keyboard warriors and all that stuff, right? So he's not the kind of guy to back down. So it was super surprising that he had that response uh, about Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan's in Texas, uh, you know, pretty darn close to where Houston is. And then, what do you hear on the uh, on the broadcast, right? John Anik. <laughs> and it's they, like the biggest talking point of yeah, the round. Joe Rogan just texted me and Daniel that he thinks uh, uh, Israel Adesanya um, hurt his hand. That made it worse. That made it way worse because it's like, oh, you're watching, but you couldn't be here. <laughs> so there wasn't a scheduling conflict because you're watching the fight. <laughs> um 
maybe there was something happening earlier or later and he couldn't, you know, <laughs> be gone, right? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was funny for two reasons. One, because of the controversy surrounding Joe Rogan. And two, because I'm like, nah, Israel Asanya does that all the time. His hands are fine. And then he confirmed as much at the end of the fight. So that was a, a double kooky moment there. But um, all that is to say for me, I hope this just blows over. Joe Rogan loves MMA. He's been with the UFC forever. You know, people mostly love him. I know there's some folks who don't like his commentary, but he's part of the show. And I hope he, I hope that what's happening now in his podcast life doesn't continue spilling over in the MMA life. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, like I said, it's so much bigger than MMA stuff. <laughs> like we're talking about it. I, I couldn't, I can't remember the exact details, but it's something like Whoopi Goldberg doesn't want to come back to The View unless they cancel Joe Rogan or something. And I'm like, what? I know something like that. I'm, I'm, that. I may be misquoting that, but it's something to that effect. And I'm like, what? Like, why? Like, this is so much bigger than you a UFC commentator thing. It's just... I acknowledge that where Joe Rogan's at right now, It, if you tell me there's some stuff going behind the scenes, I believe it. I don't think anyone believes it's not, uh, respectfully. But only they know for sure what happened. But like I said, Joe Rogan, if you honestly just didn't want to be there, just tell us why. When's the next episode of JRE coming out? <laughs> Natalie, you know, you listen. When's the next episode? I don't know, every day. He hasn't, <laughs> like, every day. <laughs> he, he hasn't addressed it yet. It's been 48 hours. You'd think that, you know, someone would have clipped that by now. He inevitably will. Yeah, but you, like, you get what, what I'm saying. What answer will be good enough? I don't know. There you go. Yeah, so it's like... Like I said, knowing what we know about the relationship with Joe, Dana, the history of the UFC, the very nature of it. Um, like when you talk about like people who've been canceled, I think of like Chris Harrison with The Bachelor and everything yeah. and that hot topic issue. I think it's not apples to oranges because of the material Joe Rogan has used. You know, it, look, if you've listened to his comedy... It's not family-friendly fun. It's very crass, very mature content. UFC, it's not football, it's not baseball, it's not the NBA. We're very, uh, you know, it can be a rowdy beer and we want violence kind of crowd. NASCAR, uh, you know, car, not, you know, like the wreck, like freaking uh, Talladega Nights. Not saying they want to see a tragedy. But, you know, we're there to see the damage be unleashed, right? It's such a different ball game. However, I acknowledge no matter how you skin it, it's a very hot button topic for Joe Rogan. And like I said, if you're telling me the UFC is feeling a lot of pressure to take action, I completely agree with it. I believe you. I think something ha is happening behind the scenes. Exactly what that is, I don't know. Talk to one of those other guys who gets to <laughs> report on that, but we just talk. But yeah, for my money, something's going on there. I'll say that. Very strange. Um, let's hit some MMA news before we get to our recap. Uh, Ariel Hawani reports that Kayla Harrison, at the 11th hour, some talk, the talks at the PFL hit a snag. And now while talks are not dead... 
they did say that Kayla took a step back and is reevaluating everything. And she even tweeted out very ominously, might be a change of plans. And so I took that to say we have officially reached the season, the two part season finale of these shows where Kayla Harrison, the bachelorette, is about to get a proposal. But she's sitting at the, you know, they're always like out looking (laughs) and very introspective expression. And she's clearly thinking about, is this the right decision? We've reached that part of the show, that part of the season. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to just toss it to you. Uh, Does PFL ultimately get her heart or are we about to see some high drama down the stretch? I think we're going to see high drama, dude. Like this story doesn't need any more twist okay this story didn't need any more twists and turns like we had uh, wasn't not the summer but like you know a few months ago it was you know who's she gonna pick and then she talks to you and she drops the bomb about how you know the pfl was her was the the one that she was probably gonna give the rose to and she you know she shows up at, at ufc she shows up at bellator but then it kind of just fills out because it's like oh she was just gonna go back to pfl Okay, that's good. That makes sense for her, right? So then this at the end, it's like, ah, oh, man, I thought this was resolved. Like, it was a fun little story, and it had a nice little ending. This sort of, uh, you know, uh, last second twist, it's interesting, but it's kind of a little annoying, too. It's like, eesh, like, come on, are you, is this for real, or are you guys just jerking us around some more to keep the name back in the, to put the name back in the headlines? That's a little bit what it feels like. Um, and so that's why I'm just kind of, I'm not, I'm not over it. I still want to know where she's going to end up. But really, at the last second, there's problems with the deal. Like, what on earth could it be? You, you wouldn't have gotten this far if there was anything serious that hadn't already been addressed. So it seems a little phony to me, but what do I know? I'm going to just make it quick because we don't got a lot of time. Kelly Harrison to the UFC is okay. happening. It's happening, you know, like that uh, meme from The Office with, uh, what's his name, Steve Carell. There it is. Um, What else could it be? I I mean, the only thing I could assume, like I told you, they have to be trying to push her to sign more years than she wants. They probably said, like, look, she's like, look, let me give me a one on one, like restricted free agency my second year. They're probably like, Kayla, we're doing this. It's like three or four years or nothing. And it's like, wait, 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 wait now. What else could it be? We know roughly the numbers. We know more or less the plans. I can't think of it. It's anything else besides the time, the length of the contract. So like I said, once again, you know how I feel. Um, I'm ready for some excitement personally. I am also ready to see it resolution. Uh, I believe Challenger Series for PFL starts soon. And PFL Season 4 starts in about two months. So, yeah, you got to think if she's going to fight in May, uh, something's kind of got to happen right about now. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, Real quick, uh, Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins is going to be the new UFC Columbus headliner on March 26th. So Blades, he's coming off that win over Jarzino Rosenstrike in September. He's five and one in his last six. Obviously, the one was the loss to Derek Lewis last year. Chris Dawkins, he just fought Derek Lewis in December. That snapped his five-fight win streak that included four UFC victories 
Remember we talked about it when he had the main event. He's kind of newer to the promotion, but he's doing well. Uh, what are your quick thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is you know it's exciting. It's a, a second chance for Chris Dacus, right, who just lost to Jack Lewis. But good move for Curtis Blades, and uh, yeah, I mean, can't complain here. Uh, you got to think, once again, yeah, big opportunity. I think that says a lot about their confidence in Chris overall. Gamesmanship. And then for Curtis Blades, look, he probably was... I know he was angling for Cyril Gaon. He probably really did feel like he could get a bigger fight, but it is what it is, and his game, he steps up, he gets a main event, and you, you got to think he likes the idea of being active and being on a win streak as all this stuff starts happening in the heavyweight division as the year plays out. So I think a very good... I, I get the decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about it. So first off, the breaking news. We find out, I think, on Saturday early, the fight between Rafael Dos Anjos and Rafael Fiziev is that going to be pushed back. I guess visa issues, Fiziev couldn't come back in time to make the fight this Saturday. So now it's going to be a five-round co-main event at UFC 272 on March 5th. So they'll be warming up the crowd before Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. And that leads it to what's been reported. I need to reconfirm that. But to my knowledge, it is a five-round main event between the guys who are going to be... It's not necessarily the co-main all the time. Sometimes it feels like it's just the fight before the last fight. But the fact is we have a very, you know, electrifying contender that people know in Johnny Walker taking on an up-and-comer in Jamal Hill. What are your thoughts on this one? Hey, it's it's fun. Look, uh, Johnny Walker, he hasn't, he's not the same, like, you know, highlight reel fighter that he was when he first popped onto the scene from Contender Series onward. After he hurt his shoulder in that celebration, he's kind of trying to be a little more serious, but then he has his moments. So I'm not discounting the guy, but he's not the Johnny Walker of a few years ago. Jamal Hill coming off that great win over uh jimmy crute that was a crazy knockout um this is his moment to shine like by no means is johnny walker a gatekeeper he's still completely in the picture but this moment is more i think for jamal hill to really shine above a, a good name someone who's who's a, i wouldn't say a huge name but he's a big name like johnny walker uh this is all jamal hill so five rounds you know good on them for stepping up like you know that's one of those things where the UFC remembers when you do them a solid, and so this will pay dividends for both guys. But uh, I'm thinking Jamal Hill's gonna gonna do his thing one more time. I think he's gonna finish Johnny Walker round two, KO. Um, very fair. Uh, I think that uh, once again, yeah, look, very game guy. I know he fought, I believe it was Paul Craig last year. He's got an overall really good record. When you talk about Johnny Walker, I mean, part of me also wants to say you can't sleep on Tiago Santos. I mean, this is a guy who is right there for the title. This is a guy who literally seems like he pulls, you know, Thor's hammer off his chest and into his knuckles and unleashes the wrath. I mean, that was a tough fight that I thought was still very competitive. For Johnny, I think what's ironic is... I think against a newcomer like Jamal, you almost want to keep it. You want to stick to the basics. You feel like Jamal doesn't have any as much to lose. He's the one trying to take his first big step up in the rankings. So 
I think that it actually would behoove Johnny to be a little more cautious. He knows he's athletically gifted. He knows he's got his own pop behind his shots. That really, it's just like, you know, what are we going to try to do? Um, you know, like, uh, don't don't give him a chance to get in that fight. Now, look, Jamal, you know, another guy, very athletically gifted, very strong, uh, little does a little bit of everything pretty well. Johnny, the bigger, you know, X factor is his unpredictability. When he's out there and he goes, you know, spinning elbows and goes for that knee in close range and all this other stuff, tries to use his length, that's mm-hmm. when he's more dangerous. Um... I'm with you. I just feel like there's so much experience behind Johnny that the real key is just be disciplined with your defense. I think that if you are pushing Jamal, you win this fight. It's just a matter of not being reckless, picking your moments to get in and out with everything you're doing. And that's how it's going to happen. So, yeah, a a lot to break down, a lot to go from, but... I agree with you. I think it's going to be a Johnny Walker victory as well. Where do you think? Oh, no. I, I, oh, sorry, I, Jamal Hill? Sorry. I was like, Jamal wait, wait, wait. Sorry, you went Jamal. Uh, my bad, my bad, my bad. You what know I, what? I, I'll, sorry, I, <laughs> I got so swept up. Um, mine is, I'll go Johnny Walker second round KO. You okay. know, no, third. Third. It's going to be in the third. <laughs> it's going to be a knee coming down, you know, with that length of his. All right. All right, yeah. Johnny Walker for the win jamal hill uh i think he's gonna push him um we'll see which one of us is right and uh yeah <laughs> we'll go from there all right I'll sorry i got a little pumped up yeah man anyway um the, the man who reinvented the worm for mma but um Boy, to his own detriment <laughs> i mean this that dude uh, you know who needs to hang out johnny walker and tied to ivasa Oh my gosh, dude! You're like Hangover Four. <laughs> I I love it. Yes. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Natalie, next week, uh, title eliminator. It's looking like Benil Dariush, Islam Mahachev. Uh, what are your thoughts as we close it out going into this one? Uh, did he ever get? Did Benil ever get his Tesla? <laughs> he did. He said okay. he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Then, uh, yeah, this is great because Benil is, you know, one of those guys that you thought maybe he already had his surge and then he came back and had a resurgence and, you know, Islam's hot. So this is a great fight. I'm excited. Yeah, I I think that this couldn't be coming at a better time. I'm glad that Benil's getting this opportunity after he's gotten the victories. I think an Islam victory makes everything so intriguing, obviously. I mean... It kind of writes itself. The next to be possibly fighting Charles or possibly fighting Justin Gaethje, it sells itself. And then once again, Benil could be the guy to just undo all of it, just like the turtle, slow and steady, and <laughs> just finally gets that W and gets that win that he needs to break into the conversation. So yeah, a lot of good stuff. I'm ready for it. Um, Natalie, I hope you've had a great Valentine's Day. I hope all of you guys... You know, uh, I posted the picture on IG. Find someone who looks at you the way Daniel Cormier looks at Cain Velasquez. <laughs> and if you'd see the, if you know what picture I'm talking about, you get exactly what I mean. Settle for nothing less, my friends. <laughs> Until then, have a great one. Enjoy the fights. We'll be back next week to talk everything and break it all down. Take care. <laughs>